Welcome this morning. It is good to see all of you here today uh, in, in, in our sanctuary, the sanctuary of God where His presence is. It's a good to see all of you. And we want to say welcome to those of you who are watching from online today. Well, if you're just joining us, we are in the middle of, of a series called Matters of the Heart. And what we're doing is traveling through the Gospel of Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Um, and we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount. It's the longest discourse of teaching from our Savior in one complete piece from start to finish that's recorded in all of the Gospels. You'll see it sprinkled in the other Gospels of Mark and Luke and John, but Matthew has it in its entirety. So we're taking a little time and going through those three chapters, and, and we're going to be at the end, the second half of chapter 5 and the beginning half of chapter 6 today. Uh, with a message I've titled, Inside Out. Inside Out. I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear Inside Out. If, if you've got kids, it might be that movie that came out a few years ago. Uh, neat little movie about emotions and feelings. Uh, that comes to mind, but um, another thing that comes to my mind when I think of Inside Out is Laundry. When you, you know, those of you who have had the little ones, uh, you have little ones, you, when they take their clothes off, I'm amazed at how they can even get out of those clothes when I go to find them in the basket. They're all wadded up and knotted up, and I'm like, how did you escape from those pair of pants? And everything is inside out. And then you take your time, and you, you know, you got to pull it back through and check for stains and so many different places, and and shout it out with the spray and all that stuff. But that's what comes to my mind a lot is when I think of that word inside out. And here in, in this Sermon on the Mount, inside out, Jesus is getting to the matter of the heart or matters of the heart, the inside of us. And so let's look at this. Let's pick up in verse 17. Matthew five seventeen. Again, Jesus' words and he's teaching. He says, hey, don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. When you see that, you can also say the Old Testament scriptures. That's what he's talking about. He said, no, I came to accomplish their purpose. Jesus, when he came, he's letting the disciples know and letting us know that, hey, I didn't come to do away with the Old Testament scriptures, the law of Moses and all the prophets. No, I, I actually came to fulfill them. I came to accomplish what it said about me and what it's all about. And then he goes on in verse 18. He says, I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. Said, so if you ignore the least commandment, and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So he's going on, he said, look, it's important that you understand. I'm not coming, and I have not come to do away with the old. I've actually come to fulfill it. The Old Testament scriptures are valid, they're necessary, they're needed, and he's saying, look, don't look for loopholes on how you can discontinue any of it. 
But at the same time, understand that all of the Old Testament was a foreshadow pointing to the Jesus of the New Testament. He said, it all points to me. All of it's like a big arrow along the way, signs and shadows pointing to me. And I am here now. The Father has sent me to fulfill this. And in fact, later on in his teaching, uh, he was asked, hey, what is the greatest and most important commandment there is? And he answered them and he said, well, it's really summed up like this. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And there's actually the second one that is equally important, and that is love your neighbor as yourself. And he goes on to say, all of the law and the prophets are summed up in those two commandments. Says if you focus on those two right there, all of it is summed up in that. And in essence, he's saying, if you will let me fill your life, then you won't have to worry about trying to dot your I's and cross your T's because I'm the one that is doing that. And now he is the one who has done that. And then in verse 20, he says this. He says, I'll warn you. He says, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. What are you saying? Are you saying we have to be better than these religious teachers and these Pharisees? Come on, Jesus. These guys seem to have it going on. They're, they're like showing us the way here. And, and here's what he's getting down into. He said, look, he said, if you will look at the Old Testament scriptures as the rule and as the standard, he said, you're right. But if you look at these religious teachers and Pharisees as your only example, he said, you're wrong. He said, you're wrong. He said, as good as they are in keeping with the letter of the law, they are only partial in that. Meaning this, they majored on the ritual part of keeping with the law, but they minored on the relationship with Yahweh, with God. They prided themselves in being able to showcase the external side of keeping up with doing all the ceremonial things and the rituals and all of these types of things, and they cater to the outside. They, they live for the applause of men. They walked around strutting. Not all, but in general, since they had that stigma about them, that they, they prouded themselves in the praises of people. They, they, they were uh, proud of all of their accomplishments and what they were able to do in their almsgiving and in their prayers and in their fastings and all these other things that the law said to do. And Jesus is getting down to it, and he's like, look, I'm not here and talking about you following me from an outside point of view. He said, I came to deal with the inside of a person. He said, I came to deal with the heart of the matter, the heart of humanity. And he's like, you'll never be able to measure up, just like these Pharisees will never be able to measure up. Jesus eventually, as we know, went on and fulfilled everything there was according to the Old Testament prophets and all of the scriptures. As I said, there was a foreshadow that pointed to him finished all of those things, perfected at that, perfection, never missed it, never made a mistake, never once fell short. The perfect Lamb of God paying the sacrifice once and for all for the sins of the world. 
And Jesus is saying, look, you'll never be able to measure up, but if you put your faith in me and you will follow me and you let my life fill your life, then you can look at this as it's all been done. It's all been accomplished. It's all been fulfilled. And he said, I, I, I'm not interested in, in having people follow me from the outside. He said, I want to know that people are following me from the inside of who they are. He said, I came to set you free from the inside. I have come to set you free. In fact, that's one of the first sermons he also preached was, I have come to set at liberty those who are captive. I came to break the chains off your life. I came to break the bondage off your life. I have come to redeem you. I have come to ransom you. I have come to rescue you. I have come to save you. I have come to deliver you. I have come to help you. And I do it all from the inside out. And he goes on. He goes, look, here's what I, what I'm, what I mean by that. And he goes on and he hits on lots of different heart issues, anger, adultery, divorce, oath, swearing, revenge, loving your enemies, and things like that. And We'll take a minute to travel through those. I won't be able to elaborate on all of these things. I'm just going to hit the generals of what the spirit of what he's, what he's, what I believe he's trying to get across to us. Each of these could have their own little series uh, uh, across the Sermon on the Mount. But look at this and what, he, what he's saying is this is what I mean. Verse 21, he said, look, he said, you've heard that our ancestors were, to, were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment, but... I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. What's he talking about? It's like, look, anybody, and when he says, look, you've heard it said this way in the old, and this is what I, but I say this, he's not saying I'm changing it, I'm not changing the rules. He said, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm fulfilling what it said. And I'm taking it from the external to the internal. Taking it from the outside to the inside. He's like, look, people can go their whole life and not murder anybody. But people can't go their whole life and not be angry. People can't go their whole life and not be name-calling. People can't go their whole life and not be swearing and cursing people. He said, so what am I, what am I talking about? He said, I'm not talking about just the physical act of murder. I'm talking about the inward act of a heart. The inward issue of the heart is what, is what I've come to deal with. And then he goes on in verse 27, he says this, you heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery, but I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. What's he saying? He says people go their whole life and won't commit adultery in the physical act of it, but people will, can't go their whole life and not lust after something. He says, so what am I talking about? He says, I'm talking about not the external, I'm talking about going all the way deep to the issue of the heart and deal with what's inside. He said, that's where I, what, I'm, what I'm interested in. I want to go to the invisible side of, of people, to where people can't see, but where you know what's going on. If you'll get real with me, then I can deal with what's going on on the inside of a person. And he goes on in verse 31. He says, look, you've heard the law that says a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of divorce. But I say that a man who divorces his wife, unless she has been unfaithful, causes her to commit adultery, and anyone who marries a divorced woman also commits adultery. And he teaches about divorce a couple of different times throughout the discourse of the Gospels. So what's he saying? So people, it's not enough. He says, look, I'm not, it, the issue is this. Don't look for the loophole to, to go pay the fee and to get a piece of paper that says you can get a divorce. He says, here's what I'm talking about. I want you to do all you can to make your marriage work. So don't look for the easy way out. Don't just say irreconcilable differences. What about your heart? Check yourself. 
look inside. Let Jesus look inside. He says, look, let me deal with the issues of your heart. He goes, do all you can to make it work. Verse 33, he says, you've heard it said that our ancestors were told you will not break our vow. You must not break your vows or your oaths. You must carry out your vows or your oaths unto the Lord But I say, do not make any vows. Do not make any oaths. And then verse 37 basically sums this up. He says, here's what I say. Just say a simple yes, I will, or a no, I won't. And anything beyond this is from the evil one. In other words, don't try to dress yourself up and work yourself up and put yourself in a place where you can't fulfill what you said you would do. Don't tell people and dress it up with a lot of facade and a lot of rhetoric and a lot of swearing. I swear by this. I swear by that. I promise you this. I promise you that. He goes, just get to the heart of the matter and just let your yes be yes and your no be no. See, don't play games with people. Don't get yourself caught in a bind. Either do it or don't do it. And if you can't do it, don't try to do it. And if you say you're going to do it, do your darndest to try to keep it. But if you need to get out of it, go talk to the person. Those are also throughout the scriptures. Verse 38. You guys tracking with me? See, verse 38, he said, You heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And all the church said, No, don't say that. But he says, I say, Do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. What he's talking about is revenge. Talking about seeking revenge. In other words, he said, look, don't live to settle the scores with other people. Don't live to try to pay them back with however they paid you. Don't don't retaliate evil for evil. Don't go out trying to seek revenge on people. In other words, release them, live to release it, and let God deal with it. In fact, Paul talks about this in Romans 12. He says, don't repay evil for evil. Don't take revenge. Let the the righteous anger of God seek it out and do what's right and do what's best. Because let's just face it, when we try to get revenge on people and we think the just retaliation is whatever we seem fit, It's never right. God is merciful. God is kind. But God is also wise in when it comes to the just scales of life. And he knows exactly what people will get. It it also doesn't stray too far, stem too far from whatever a person sows is also what a person reaps. I was talking with my kids the other night at the table, and they were talking about somebody who was mean to somebody, and and, and, I, and then somebody was mean to that person who was mean to somebody else. And I said, look, I want to teach you a quick lesson here. That's a lesson that will be learned here. Somebody's being mean to somebody else. And then somebody was mean to the person who was being mean. I said, the life lesson in that is whatever a person sows is also what they will reap. I said, let that be a lesson to you. I said, look, that can happen and that will happen. God will always make sure whatever we sow, we will also reap. It may not all come to pass on this earth. But at the sweet by and by on the other side and we step into that, there will be the judgments and there will be the calls and there will be, that's where things get settled and things get done. And he will, he will have the final say-so in all of our lives. And so Jesus is like, look, don't retaliate, don't seek revenge, don't live to do that with your life. 
You're better than that. I'm better than that in you. Let Live to release it and truly let God handle it. And then verse 30, 43, he says this. You, you have heard. The law says, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And we all just went deaf. You don't have to show your hands, don't, but come on, how hard is that sometimes? And he sums it up in verse 46. He says, look, if you only love those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind to only your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. So, man, he just goes on on his teaching. And he's like, Look, you can't do this on your own. There is no way you can, you could, again, there is no way you can be better than the Pharisees and the religious leaders. In fact, they can't even do better than where they're at. They think they're doing better. They think because they, they have this track record, so to speak, going for them, that they're this spiritual elite and everybody else, else are just peons. And they look down their noses. He goes, so I'm not finished. That's heart issues. That's inside. I said, I want to deal with the outside. He goes into chapter 6, and he starts messing around, stepping on people's toes with the outside of things. And in fact, the first uh, 18 verses, he deals with hypocrisy. He deals with hypocrisy. Now, hypocrisy is, as you know, is pretending to be something that you're not. It also means to presume to be righteous while condemning others. In other words, presuming to have it all together while looking down on other people and seeing everybody else's faults. Well, I, I got that. I'm good in that area of my life, and you don't really have it all together, and I'm doing well, and we look down on, and they were looking down on each other, presuming to have it all together while looking down on others. And he deals with this hypocrisy, and he deals with these three main Christian duties almsgiving, serving and giving to others, helping others, being there for others. He deals with praying, and he deals with fasting, all practices of our spiritual faith, Christian faith. And, he, and, he, and the thing with these Pharisees and the religious teachers, they, they seem to be perfect at doing this thing. They seem to be perfect at doing this thing. But in each case, he says, don't do like the hypocrites do. They give so that people will recognize them. Don't do like the hypocrites do. They pray so that people will hear them. Don't do like the hypocrites do. I can't even say the word. Hypocrites do. They fast so that people will think they're really holy. Come on, there's got to be more to what Jesus did than the, for people to live for the outside. If it were just the outside, we, we seem to have done a pretty good job over the last several hundred years trying to give the impression, give the image. What he's saying is, this, look, don't live to impress others for their applause, for an image that you have to try to keep up with. That gets exhausting. That gets old. That gets tiring. Come on. Your face will begin to crack from the fake smiles you put on. He said, stop it. He said, I've called you to better things than that. I've called you to a greater life than that. I've called you higher than that. And in fact, that's where he's teaching from, as you know, from the beginning of this whole series, from the mountaintop. 
climb with me, see it from my view, see it from my perspective, take on my ways, hear it from my point of view, receive what I want to give to you. That's how you do this thing. It was a freeing sermon. It was a liberating sermon. It wasn't a condemning sermon. He said, like, you've heard it said this way, but I say it this way. I, he said, I'm not making it harder. I'm actually making it easier. Because when I live through you, it's not your strength. It's not your mind. It's me in you. As we know, what he eventually gets around to telling us in John is it's the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the helper, the paraclete who comes to fill us to aid us, to help us, to empower us, and to give us the brute strength that comes from within that doesn't come from without. Giving us, supplying us with gifts, supplying us with the fruit of the Spirit and not the works of the flesh, the outside. It's the inside is what he wants to come and change. Changing us from the inside out. He's saying, look, don't live to impress these people. Don't live to live don't live to do that and with the, to uphold an image. He said, rather live for the relationship that you can have in me. Don't live for the ritual. Live for the relationship that you can have in me. Now I want to close out with a story. First closing. I hadn't been able to have people here for two weeks, so i got to have 12 closings, okay? It's just him. But in John chapter 5, there's a story about this man at the pool of Bethesda who, um, who was stuck on his two-foot-by-four-foot mat for 38 years. 38 years stuck on a mat. This pool of Bethesda was a huge area where... Folks like him gathered who were sick, who were ill, who were physically impaired, unable to get around, and they were, they were helpless. They were there, stuck. And this guy had been in that position for 38 years, stuck in his two-foot by four-foot mat. He was living, forced to live from the outside in. And Jesus sees him, and he comes up to him, And he asked him, hey, do you want to get well? Think about if Jesus asked you that. He sees you in your predicament, sees you in your problem, sees you in your pain, sees you where you are. And he says, do you want to get well? And this man's answer was not, yeah, of course I want to get well. His first, his answer, his only answer started with, I can't. I can't. And can't never could. I can't. What would we say if Jesus really, and we really felt he asked us, do you want to get well? And he has asked that question. It's in the Bible and it applies to us. Do you want to get well? What would be the answer? Well, yes, come on, somebody. And his answer was, I can't. He goes on to elaborate. He says, I can't because I don't have anybody to pick me up and put me in the water when it bubbles. See, there was this superstition that was going on that 
went something like, when the water bubbles, that was a sign that the angels had come to stir the water, and the first person who would get into the pool could get healed, could be made well. Well, it was a superstition because that pool was actually fed by underground water source, and that's what caused the bubbling. It really had nothing to do with who got in first. But you can see how this man was trapped, stuck, living from the outside in because he thought he needed somebody to pick him up and put him in first. And as you can imagine, maybe 38 years of this, living, forced, stuck on a mat, it was, he was stuck in misery. Stuck in misery. And as you know, misery loves company. But misery also lives by excuses. Man, do you want to get well? Been here 38 years. I can't. I just can't. Can't do it. 38 years living from the outside in. Looking for somebody who could pick him up and put him in. First. And he's asked the question, do you want to get, well, I can't. I don't have anybody to put me in. Living in misery, 38 years. Unable to work, unable to walk, unable to move, unable to be beyond his two foot by four foot radius. Stuck. Stuck. Unable to marry, unable to have kids, unable to be a contribution to anybody else stuck in misery and when he's asked do you want to get well he says I can't he was also stuck for 38 years in accusations for he went on to elaborate to Jesus when he said that I can't I don't have anybody to pick me up he said someone else Someone else always gets ahead of me. In other words, he was living, blaming other people for his predicament in life. As sad, as bad, as harmful, as difficult, as painful as that was for him to live in that, he's remained stuck in that because he blamed somebody else. The blame game has been going on since Adam and Eve. They invented it. They got busted. Adam, what you doing? Well, Eve, you know that woman you gave me? She's the one who gave me the fruit. Eve, what's up with that? Well, you know that devil, the serpent? Just shifting and casting blame. It's been going on since the beginning. People who are stuck where they are find it easier to blame others for their position in life. Blame the system, blame people, blame each other, blame family, whatever it is. Jesus didn't ask him, hey, whose fault is it that you're in this boat? He asked him for the way out. Do you want to get well? I can't because I don't have anybody and I can't because somebody else always gets there ahead of me. There are people who live this whole, their whole life on earth never fulfilling what they were put here to do because all they do is blame other things and other people as to why they can't. 
And Jesus knows that, which is why he offers himself to us. True, in and of ourselves, we can't. If we could, we would. He was trapped. He was stuck also in his tradition. This guy was stuck in tradition. 38 years. Hidden behind religion. Hidden behind religion. You see, over time, the Pharisees had developed these religious rules. In fact, they had come up with 613 codified rules, codified laws. 248 of those rules were positive commands. 365 of those laws were negative commands. You can't. One law for every day of the year, you can't. Pretty soon, over the course of 38 years, somebody telling you 38 years, every single day of your life, you can't walk, you can't move, you can't get up, you can't have, you can't be. Pretty soon, you start to believe that kind of stuff. If all you ever hear for a long period of your life is you can't, 248 positives is not enough. In fact, out of 365 negatives, 39 of those negative commands told you what you could and couldn't do on the Sabbath day. Which is the day Jesus was having this interaction with this man. Do you want to get well? I can't. I don't have anybody to help me. Everybody else gets ahead of me. Besides the laws... Tell me, I'm not allowed to. Not allowed to move. Not allowed to do this. I'm supposed to stay right here. 600, over 600 laws, religious laws, existed, and none of them gave him the power to get up, except the one who came to fulfill and accomplish. Jesus was giving him an early present of his arrival. You don't have to wait till I die on the cross. You're not going to have to wait till I ascend to heaven. Probably didn't even know it. Didn't even know anything about it. He just knew there was this man asking him, could he want, did he want to get well? And here's what Jesus asked him. It was a short conversation. Do you want to get well? I can't. I don't have anybody. I, I can't because somebody always gets ahead of me. And besides, all these laws tell me it, it prevents me. So what else am I supposed to do? Jesus is like, here's what you do. In your misery, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. And you're blaming everybody else? Just stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. In the eyes of tradition, in the eyes and the veil of religion that tells you you can't, I'm telling you today you can. I arrived to show up on your doorstep, so to speak, on your mat to tell you you can. Just stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. And that's exactly what the man did for the first time in his life. There was power in somebody's words who told him he could. You don't have to hide behind tradition and religion. You don't have to keep blaming everybody, and you don't have to live by excuses anymore. I'm here to tell you, Jesus said, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. And that's exactly what that man did on the day of the Sabbath when the law says you couldn't, you shouldn't, and that is against the law. The law forbids you to carry your mat. How dare you carry your mat? Walk around here like you're somebody. He goes, I'm just going to tell you, it wasn't me. It was that guy right over there who told me I could. 
Today, you just need somebody to give you permission to stand up, get up, and walk. You've been looking for a way out of your predicament. You've been looking for a way for something to happen on the inside, and you've been focused on the outside. Jesus is saying, look, I'm just going to bypass what's external, and I'm going to come right into the internal, and I've come to disrupt and dismantle and free you from the inside out. So you don't follow me by the rules of religion. You follow me by the relationship of my love for you. And my love for you says you can be free. My love for you says you can be healed. My love for you says you can be saved. My love for you says you can be delivered. My love for you says your mind can change. My love for you says your heart can change. My love for you says your, ch- your situation at home can be different. My love for you says everything in me changes when you put everything in me. He said, I came to deal and handle business from the inside. Out. Yeah, you're going to have people talk about you, question you, doubt you, and wonder, is that really you, Ken? Did they really have that change go on? Did that really happen for them? And all you got to do is say, look, he's the one who did it for me. Jesus is the one who stepped onto my two-foot by four-foot mat and told me and gave me permission and actually gave me the command, stand up, pick up my mat, and walk. The invitation Matthew 11, I read this last week. I'll read it from a different translation this week, the message. Jesus says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Okay. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me you'll learn to live freely and live lightly. Anybody here today have some heaviness? Anybody here today have have burden? Anybody here today worn out trying to make it happen? Anybody here today tired and exhausted from spinning your wheels? Trying to follow and serve Jesus, obey Him, be a good little Christian. I think Jesus came to do more than to help us be a little good little Christian. I think he came to make us powerhouses. I think he came to disrupt our low-ended life. I think he came to just wreck our hearts with his love for us. I think he came to give us his power to break free from the bondages of our flesh. I think he came to heal the ravages of sickness and sin upon our souls. I think Jesus came and he gave his life more than for us to just follow the letters of the law. And for him to be the fulfillment of it all on the inside of us. How about it? Jesus is like, look, 
You want to live your life? How about live your life and let me live my life through you? Let me live in you. Let me live through you. And he deals with the heart, the inside, and he deals with the outside. You know what this world needs besides love? They need Christians just to be real. They need the body of Christ just to be like, you know what? I don't have it all together. But I know who I'm following. I know the one who's called me to climb. I know the one who's called me to move forward. I know the one who speaks my name when I'm in the middle of chaos and it calms me down. I know the one who can, who can quiet my storms. I know the one who can do this for me. Yeah, I, I don't have it all together and I'm not trying to be perfect. I'm not trying to dress up my Christian life. I'm trying to let Jesus be my life. People need Jesus to be real in us. That's what they need. Come on, church. You want Jesus to be real in your life? Let's stand to our feet. You don't want to play church. You don't want to play religion. You want to be who he called you to be. I want to pray with you today. I want the lifeline of of his word to be real when he says, look, you can go your whole life and not murder somebody. You can go your whole life and not do this. You can go your whole life and not do that, but you can't go your whole life and ignore what's going on inside you. I came to deal with what's inside you, what traps you, what keeps you awake at night, what what worries you, what strikes fear in you, what keeps you down when you know you should be flying, what, what robs you of your peace when you should have some joy. I came to deal with all that stuff, and that stuff doesn't get dealt with by looking pretty on the outside. That stuff gets dealt with when Jesus comes in and knocks on the door and says, Here I am. I have come to save your life. I have come to make all things new. I have come to make it real and impactful and meaningful for you. So whatever it is in your life today, whatever it is you got holding on to and you're holding in your hands today, I want to encourage you, release it to the Lord. I know I I did an extended prayer time at the beginning. So whatever it is today, lift it to the Lord and say, here I am. I give you all my broken pieces. I, 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 let you, I want you to see every flaw in my life. Lord, I, I know you do, but I'm admitting I need you to know it. I need you to see it. I need you to see the things I wrestle with, the stuff I struggle with. I need you to see my valleys, and I need you to help me get to the mountaintop. So I lay it all down today, and I want to have a relationship with you that's not based on religion, but it's built on love. Your love for me. Fill my life with your love. Blow a fresh wind in me today. Free me. Liberate me. And Holy Spirit, be strong in me. When I need to stand my ground, be strong in me. When I need to turn away from it, be strong in me. When I need to stand up to it, be strong in me. When I need to resist it, be strong in me. When I need to just let it go and not carry on, let you, may you be strong in me. We come to you now. We accept your invitation. We want to follow you, your ways. Learn the unforced unforced rhythms of grace. May the grace of God be strong 
in each one of our lives. In Jesus' name.